the Memorare. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to your protection, implored your help, or sought your intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly to you, O Virgin of Virgins, my mother. To you I come, before you I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in your mercy, hear and answer me. Amen. All across the Gulf South, it's 7 a.m. Time to wake up on Catholic Community Media. Good morning, you're listening to Wake Up. On this beautiful Wednesday morning, you are tuning your heart to the truth. I'm Gabby Smith, along with Johnny Abair and David Dawson. Hey guys, good morning. Good morning. Happy Wednesday. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Wednesday. Mm. Got three three candles lit here. It's getting warmer and warmer in the studio. You know, I realize, y'all, we're not going to be able to see that fourth candle lit on Wake Up because we're going to be we're going to be off after Thursday. Thursday, yes. we're going to be off after Thursday, and and we're and you know we won't have that fourth candle lit. So by the time we come back, well, but you know, how trust are us. Those three candles surviving because they've been lit. They're every magic. They're show. magic candles. It's called. <laughs> I, I have. I have another. Nubs. I bought a box just so for that short. reason. <laughs> <laughs> Got to keep them going. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Post it on our Facebook page. Let it burn there. People hey, can okay. see it. Well, there you go. Good idea. Okay. <laughs> There you go, <laughs> yeah, we're only gosh five days into uh, till Christmas. It's mm-hmm. it's upon us, you know. And mm-hmm. today we're celebrating that the angel came upon Mary and overshadowed her, just as the cloud of God overshadowed the temple. So I think it's appropriate we get our day started off with the Hail Mary. What do you think? So let's amen. let's do yeah. that. Mm-hmm. In the name of the Father and of the Son of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's pray it together. Hail, Hail Mary, Mary, full, full of, of grace. grace, the Lord is with thee. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father and the Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Holy Mother of God, pray for us. St. Dominic of Silos, pray for us. Yeah, we will learn more about St. Dominic of Silos later on during our Saint of the Day. But we are starting off at 7 after with Johnny's Gospel Reflection. You definitely want to stay tuned for his take on today's reading. In 18 minutes, Peter Finney joins us. He is the editor and general manager of the Clarion Herald, the official Catholic newspaper of the Archdiocese of New Orleans. And today he'll give us an update of what you'll find in this week's issue. In 35 minutes, Bill Hawhey joins us. He's a co-founder of Catholic Institute of Technology, and today he's talking about the Catholic Institute of Technology becoming the world's first Catholic university distinctly focused on STEM research. So STEM is science, technology, engineering, and math. This is so cool. We will talk to Bill a little bit more about this wonderful initiative, yes. And in 48 minutes, Dr. Jordan Haddad joins us. He is a professor of dogmatic theology at Notre Dame Seminary and president of the St. Louis IX Art Society. And we are continuing our Catholic 101 segment today, talking about the real presence of the Eucharist. How can we enlighten minds to understand the real presence of the Eucharist when so many Catholics do not believe in the real presence, even though so many do? We'll talk about kind of where that lies. So 
Looking forward to today's show and today's guests. And uh, Dave, like you said, tomorrow is actually our last morning show mm-hmm. before we head out to our break to spend some time with our families and our friends during the wonderful Christmas season. Yes. So definitely take note that to wake up, we'll broadcast tomorrow morning at 7 a.m. But after that, uh, we won't return, I th- believe, until... Thursday, January 4th. So I'll post that on our Facebook page, our social media account, so you can take a look at that as well. So, uh, but looking forward to spending some time with family. Right. It's getting close. Sleeping in, maybe all the way till 4 or 5 a.m., Gabby. You know, who knows? Oh, that would be wonderful, actually. (laughs) I can't wait. (laughs) Stay with. Yeah. Stay with us. We have your gospel and reflection coming up right after the break. It is five past the hour on Wake Up. The Blessed Wednesday of the third week of Advent. I'm Father Chris Decker, and today's gospel comes to us from Luke chapter 1. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a town of Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man named Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And coming to her, he said, Hail, full of grace, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at what was said, and pondered what sort of greeting this might be. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. He will be great, and will be called Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of David his father, and he will rule over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. But Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I have no relations with a man? And the angel said to her in reply, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age, and this is the sixth month for her who was called barren, for nothing will be impossible for God. Mary said, Behold, I am the handmaid of the Lord. May it be done to me according to your word. Then the angel departed from her. Thank you, Father Chris Decker. And with those words... Mary's yes, everything, everything changed. You know, so how do we grasp what really happened? You know, uh, I mean, Holy Mother Church has given us a lot of images to help us understand this. So let's let's step back in time. So it's December the 26th in the year 430, 430 AD, right after the church had just established a feast day of Mary called the Feast of the Theotokos, Feast of the Mother of God. Uh, And so the feast was celebrating the Orthodox belief that there was a union of two natures in Christ from his conception and that a spotless Mary gave birth to a person, Jesus, where these natures were were, uh, divine and human were there. Um, Now, this was not without controversy. And in fact, on that day, sitting in the church, uh, at that mass was a certain archbishop. His name was Nestorius. Now, Nestor- Nestorius had been pushing back on this orthodox belief, saying that Mary could not have given birth. Uh, she could only have given birth to a human being. She couldn't have given birth to God. In fact, he'd given a homily just two Christmases earlier, 
attacking the orthodox belief, saying that uh, God must have later placed his divinity in Jesus. So there were two, two persons in Jesus. Uh, so this was kind of an extension of uh, Gnosticism and Arianism because he couldn't imagine a God to take, take on flesh. So on that day, in the year 430, December the 26th, a certain bishop gets up to give this homily up to the podium, one of the most powerful homilies you'll ever hear, defending Mary as the Theotokos. And he put it, he put it this way, quote, What we celebrate is the pride of women and the glory of the female, thanks to the one who was at once both mother and virgin. Through ears that disobeyed Eve, the serpent poured his poison but through ears that obeyed, Mary he's speaking of, the word entered in order to build a living temple. For a master builder is not dishonored if he dwells in places built by himself. From what he formed without pollution, he came forth without defilement, unquote. Now, at this point, I can only imagine Proclus starts gets real excited because he seems to be swept up in joy. And here's what he says next. He says, speaking of Mary, O womb in which was drawn up the bond that gave us all liberty. O belly in which was forged the sword to fight against death. O temple in which God became priest. For had the word not dwelt in a womb, the flesh would never have sat on the throne, unquote. So you just let that soak in for a minute. O temple in which God became priest. But it gets even better. So Proclus then goes on to give this litany of names for Mary, for what just happened, what we just read in our gospel, and it has tons of Old Testament connections. So here's some of the names. Maybe uh, one of these will strike you. Write it down or meditate on this one. So he starts off this way. Mary, the untarnished vessel of virginity, of course, referring to Mary as the Ark of the New Covenant, the spiritual paradise of the second Adam, course, referring to Mary as the new Eve here, the workshop of the union of natures, the marketplace of the contract of salvation. And I love this one, the bridal chamber in which the word took the flesh in marriage. Speaking of what's happened today and Mary conceives. So there's the covenant in Mary as a type for the church. Then he goes on to give this connection, the living bush of human nature, which the fire of a divine birth pang did not consume. And of course, here he's re refer back to the, the burning bush that Moses stood before, mm -hmm. the holy ground. And now we have the holy womb. How about this one? The veritable swift cloud who carried her body, the one who rides upon the cherubim. And then this, the purest fleece drenched with the rain which came down from heaven, whereby the shepherd clothed himself with the sheep. Hmm. Of course, you start to think, you know, Jesus sharing his mother's DNA only could be pure. Then he goes on and says, the only bridge for God to mankind. The only bridge for God to mankind. Referring to Mary's yes as necessary to heal the rift that we had with the creator. And then he uses this beautiful uh, image of like a loom and weaving and Jesus taking on the garment of human flesh in Mary's womb. He says, quote, the awesome loom of the divine economy upon which the robe of union was ineffably woven. The loom worker was the Holy Spirit. The wool was the ancient fleece of Adam, the interlocking thread, the spotless flesh of the virgin. 
unquote. So some powerful images there. And you mm -hmm. know, and the, and, the, and the church basically says, then you can take all these images also to apply to Holy Mother Church in the sacrifice of the mass. So when we go to mass and we're celebrating this Eucharist, and of course, most churches have a statue of Our Lady there, we see that connection. Uh, and uh, we remember then Mary's, yes. So back in history, so it was one year later after Proclus, the bishop gave this, that the Council of Ephesus was held in which, what, uh, which affirmed that Mary was indeed the Theotokos, the mother of God, as Proclus proclaimed, and Nestorius and his heresy was condemned. All right, so, I, so wow. yes, Mary wow. asked the angel the question, how can this be? And the angel's answer, fear not, for nothing is impossible for God. That's our Advent message for today, right? Wow. So, That's powerful. Lot there. Good stuff. Good stuff, huh? Mm -hmm. Good stuff. Yes. My gosh. Well, Peter Finney's going to join us next time. What's happening right now with the Clarion Herald? Quarter past the hour. This is Franciscan Media's Saint of the Day for December 20th. Today we celebrate Saint Dominic of Silos. Today's saint was born into a peasant family in Spain around the year 1000. As a young boy, Dominic spent time in the fields, welcoming the solitude. When he grew up, he became a Benedictine monk and served in numerous leadership positions. Following a dispute with the king over monastery property, Dominic and two other monks were exiled. They established a new monastery in what at first seemed an unpromising location. Under Dominic's leadership, however, it became one of the most famous houses in Spain, reporting many healings. Wealthy patrons endowed the monastery, allowing Dominic to ransom Christians who'd been taken prisoner by the Moors. About 100 years after his death, in 1073, Dominic appeared to a grieving mother who'd made a pilgrimage to his tomb. He assured the young woman that she would bear another son, which she did. Her son became the Dominic who founded the Order of Preachers, the Dominicans. From that time until 1931, the abbot's staff used by St. Dominic of Silos was used to bless the Spanish queen and was placed under her bed before childbirth. The new Saint of the Day app is available now for your smartphone or tablet. From Franciscan Media, this has been Saint of the Day. Eighteen past the hour. You are tuning your heart to the truth. I'm David Dawson, along with Gabby Smith and Johnny A. Bear. And once again, we're joined by Peter Finney. He's the general manager of the Clarion Herald and the official Catholic newspaper of the Archdiocese of New Orleans. And we're going to we're gonna get an update on this week's issue. Good morning. Merry Christmas. Happy Advent. Hello, Peter. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, David. It's, it's incredible. But, boy, this is uh, going to be a busy weekend, fourth Sunday of Advent, followed by Christmas. It's, uh, it's, it's incredible and uh, a lot of excitement. Instantly, instantly. And so it's just a matter of everybody getting their masses right. You got to go on Sunday. <laughs> you got to go on Christmas. And no, you can't do a one-shot thing. It's going to have to be two different things. And and I was talking, Peter, to a priest, and he was talking about how to decorate his church in very, very short order. Because once they, once they lit that pink candle and mass is over and suddenly it's it's time to decorate i just told them to go ahead and get some inflatables you know and just just just, just turn them on you know that would be that's right there'll be some scurrying around right it, it will be, right keep it simple keep that, it that's simple part of the excitement <laughs> well, all right peter what's new in the in the issue speaking speaking of keeping christ in christmas talk about that 
Yes. Well, every year, David, the, the Council of Catholic School Cooperative Clubs, they sponsor, uh, along with us uh, and the Catholic School's office, a poster, essay, and poetry contest for students in Catholic schools and also for students in the parish schools of religion. So about the true meaning of Christmas. And you get some great uh, submissions. It's broken down into three different kind of age-appropriate categories. So you have a, a younger group, a middle, middle school group, mm-hmm. and then the high school group. And so we have the nine winners from uh, the Catholic schools uh, in the uh, Archdiocese of New Orleans. And then the, the, uh, it was a clean sweep in, uh, for the poster contest for the uh, Paris School of Religion at St. Anselm Parish in Madisonville. Oh, wow. uh, all the winners were, for Saint, were from St. Anselm. So wow. It's some beautiful, some beautiful artwork, some beautiful sentiments in the essays and the poetry, and it's just a great way to kind of get, to get ready for, uh, for Christmas you know, directly from our students. So the winners have already been picked. They've already been picked, and they're, they're in page, pages 4 and 5 in the Clarion Herald. Okay. And, uh, they're also uh, on the... Uh, we have it online already at the e-edition, so if you want to take a look at clarionherald.org, go to the e-edition on pages 4 and 5, uh, all the entries are there, the winner. Yeah, sometimes some of the most powerful stuff you'll see is from kids, right? Some, That's right, yeah. absolutely. absolutely. Uh, now, now, we were talking about uh, the mass schedules and how tricky they're going to be. You have them published in this issue, right? Yes, okay. and, and it, it's, uh, it'll be for, for 2024, every okay. parish. Uh, in the in the Archdiocese of New Orleans. Now it's a little bit tricky because on July the first, uh, there will be some restructuring of parishes within oh, the Archdiocese. Yeah. So, so involving those parishes, obviously, uh, the, the schedule is good through June the thirtieth. But on July first, there will be some certainly some changes uh, to to several parishes in the Archdiocese. So uh, we kind of make that clear where uh, there are parishes that are still going through some discernment with other parishes and merging and things like that. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but it's a it's a great uh, thing to keep uh, to keep in your car. It's also going to be online. So uh, you know, just in case that uh, you're you're running around and you maybe you're, you're late for mass and Maybe you can go to another church that's nearby, you know, so yeah, it, it's yeah. really helpful. And it also has confession times and also has adoration times. That's great. That's great. You you may have the most up-to-date one out there. I even have the Mass apps, uh, Mass Times app, and even I yeah. find that that's not as up-to-date as it should be. So, uh, no, it's, it, David, it's really true. It's, it's, all, it's all, the information is only as good as the current information, and yeah. if it's not updated, it really, you know, you, you're kind of taking a chance. So right. we do probably have the most up-to-date information. That is that is good, and yes. you're right. Towards the middle of the year, it's it, it may change again. So I, I imagine That's that correct. issue is going to be interesting too. So yeah. um, <laughs> it will be. It will be. Now <laughs> I, I am curious because I was reading the headlines, and and and, and you're saying finally the ground is broken on the Mirabeau <laughs> Water Garden. What? It, it, tell me about that. Well, you know, it was it, back in 2010, way, when, you know, when, when uh, I had black hair, you know, uh, this, this project was started, <laughs> at least the idea of, and the idea is this, that the Sisters of St. Joseph made an incredible a donation to the city of New Orleans. They have 25 acres of land uh, where their, their former convent, which was destroyed by Katrina and, mm-hmm. and, and, a, and a, a, a lightning strike a year later, they said, well, what can we do to... to Use this land for the best purposes of the city of New Orleans, God's people. And they said we're gonna we're gonna gift it to the city of New Orleans for one dollar a year, 
and they're going to provide what essentially is like a water holding tank in case of a, a bit massive storm okay. or, or thunderstorm, and the water would sit uh, in this area. It would sit, you know, for maybe a, a day or two or, uh-huh. or longer, and then slowly be released uh, into the pumping uh, uh, system oh, of the water. Okay. We're leaving the pumps, and it's just a fantastic idea. Of it, it's it's great for for the environment, and but okay. 2010. We're now 2023, almost 2024. <laughs> I, I, uh, the sister Pat Bergen, who's the sister of St. Joseph, said she calls it the long advent, but it was a great wait. I kind of call it the, uh, the the governmental lazy river. You know, it's like uh, <laughs> it's been it's been, it's been a, but it is coming, and uh, so probably within the next couple of years. Uh, They'll see this uh, this take place, and the water will, will be held. And it's also going to be an educational uh, a deal where uh, students can come and learn about more about uh, native plants and, and, and water retention mm. and how that works. I'll be. Okay. That, that's fantastic. Well, you have something similar to that in Chalmette where our towers are. It is sort of an overflow uh, area uh-huh. there. And, uh, yep, and, and yep, it, it's, it's, it's a good place to I mean, preserve Jeff- nature. Jefferson Parish. Yeah. In certain areas around the interstate, they have they have holding tanks for yes. water, and uh-huh. it makes a lot of sense to do this. You flood the area, and then slowly it's released uh, yeah. into the pumps. Give the pumps a chance to to catch up, to breathe a little bit. That's right. That's, That's right. right. And now Archbishop Hanlon High School has been named a Blue Ribbon School of Excellence. Talk about that. Yes. And uh, they actually knew about it back in September, but they celebrated uh, just last week with a mass uh, with Archbishop Amon. And uh, they were among only uh, 350 schools in the in the United States and only uh, 40 non-public schools to get the Blue Ribbon School of Excellence from the uh, mm. U.S. Department of Education. And they look at everything. They look at academics, of course, but uh, Hannon was especially proud of, wow. of how it forms students in the faith and uh, and how, you know, that, that school has been through a lot. Obviously, it started uh, in Miro in mm-hmm. St. Bernard Parish, was wiped off the map uh, by Hurricane Katrina, mm-hmm. then moved to the North Shore, and really has, has really flourished. Uh, the, the enrollment at the school has grown from you know, probably uh, in the 250 area in, when, it, when it first started, maybe in, in after Katrina, and now uh, it's well over uh, 700 students. So uh, it's a great service, and mm. it's a wonderful honor uh, for Archbishop Hannon High School. It is, and and the blue ribbon. How many in the nation are there? Uh, there were th- uh, there were 353 schools, and, and this is elementary Gosh. and high schools across the country, mm. and, and one of only 40 non-public schools. Uh, to be recognized. One of only so 40. It's a great honor. That really yeah. is. Yeah. I mean, my goodness. Yes. All right. And then uh, finally, you, you've got your New Year's predictions uh, <laughs> in sports. I love that. Talk about that. Yeah. Well, this ought to be people, interesting. Well, you know, my, my, people will always tell me, hey, why don't you do a, you, you pick up your dad's prediction yes. column or whatever? I said, ah, you know, I don't, I don't know if I, that, that would be proper or whatever. But I, I did it one time, and people said, oh, man, I really like it. I bet it. they so missed it, it's, yes. It's, it's, <laughs> it's very much tongue-in-cheek. Uh, you know, there's some, there's some, uh, some crazy predictions and whatever, but uh, it, it, it's, I Hopefully, some sense of humor. Uh, so it's a, it's about sports will be crazy in 2024, and it has tells a few Buddy Delaberto stories. Who's oh, okay. Beloved in New Orleans. And yes, he's uh, he's always an easy person to talk about. Yes. Buddy passed away before the Saints made the Super Bowl, but uh, he's uh, he's he's still in everybody's heart here. So mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. check it out. We got some funny some funny predictions, and I hope it's a, kind of an honor to my dad who, who who loved doing it for about 
really about 50 years. So you're going to give us a sample? I mean, I need a taste. <laughs> I know you're going to talk well, Saints. Come on. <laughs> well, actually, the Saints do make the playoffs this year, Bob. But I, uh, you'll have to look. I think next year it's going to be they're going to play a very tough schedule. And Dennis Allen may, may not be long for the world in terms of head coach. We'll, okay. we'll see. Uh-huh. But uh, it's uh, – It'll be interesting. We pro golf. We has gotten together though. Uh, they, Jack Nicholas brings everybody together, and they, they've uh, after they were, they were nobody served sushi or, or wagyu beef for a long time for forty eight <laughs> hours, and they hammered out an agreement. And, and so the, the new rule in the majors: uh, every golfer gets three mulligans around, and it's that's not a problem. So <laughs> just, you know, if you make a, you hit the ball in the woods, you can just retee it just with, re-tee. with no with no, uh, no cost. <laughs> So, anyway, I'm looking forward to this. This is going to be great. Now, I, is that available online yet? Uh, as far it as is, the, it okay, is. okay, it's, it's online. It's very online. good, very good. All right, and then any other feature stories that you want to talk about, or what you like uh, the most? Well, you know, it's not, uh, we just got a lot of. Uh, there's a very interesting uh, story on uh, Miko Malanson, who is a uh, a university professor on on Saturday. She uh, made promises to uh, to Archbishop Amen uh, to live a life for God as a consecrated virgin. Oh, there are wow. th- there are four consecrated virgins in the archdiocese, and Miko is the newest. And uh, these are women who uh, who are living their life for Christ. They 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 have their own jobs and and, and support. They they support themselves, mm-hmm. but they live uh, in the world uh, as consecrated virgins. The Archbishop. It's a be- it was a beautiful uh, ceremony. Uh, liturgy uh, at the cathedral. I love those stories. I know of the other ones too, and I just think that is beautiful. That that is that is something that is practiced or can be practiced. Yes. I just I think that yes. is fantastic. Well, Absolutely. Peter, where can we pick one of these up? I got to see your sports predictions. You can you can pick it up at church this weekend, uh, December twenty third, uh, at, at, at one of the many masses that you're going to attend <laughs> this weekend. Yeah, uh, or, or you can check it out online at uh, at clarionherald.org. Really good, Peter Finney. You have a rest of your Advent wonderful and a a Merry Christmas. Thank you so much, David. Same to you. All right. God bless. All right. It's the bottom of the hour. When we come back, uh, Johnny is going to be talking to Bill Hoy about the a a. The STEM research <laughs> on Wake Up. And a happy Advent to you from all of us at Catholic Community Media. Advent sounds like advertisement because certainly God gave tons of hints about his coming. Uh, didn't he? <laughs> That's a good detail. Okay, that was a stretch there, Johnny, but that was good. Going yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it does mean coming in Latin. Actually. Oh, all right. Okay. <laughs> Speaking of good things coming, uh, up now, Bill Hawhey. He is the founder of the Catholic Institute of Technology. And Bill joins us this morning with some really big news. Good morning, Bill. Hi. Thanks for having me. Pleasure to be on. You bet. Well, Bill, as a, as a geologist, as a science person myself, I'm pretty excited about this uh, this news that kind of reconnects us with our Catholic history, which always saw faith and science as shedding light on one another. So tell us what uh, is uh, right, uh, right around the corner here. Yeah, so fall of 2024, we have, uh, we have students showing up on our beautiful ca- uh, campus in Castel Gandolfo, Italy, just south of Rome. Um, so, you know, it's, I, 
you kind of already touched on it, but we're, we're just, it's not something really new. It's, it's new and as it's, there's nothing else like it, but it's, um, it's a revival of our rich history we have in the church of, uh, scientific innovation and, um, and reconciling scientific truth with the truth of Christ. Yeah, talk more about the uniqueness of this university. I know there's a there's a, an America connection to it, but being especially being in Rome, talk about that unique other other aspects yeah. as well that makes it unique. Well, you know, it's um, it's the it's the heart of the church, right? We 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 have such a strong um, we have such a, a strong church here in the United States. Um, and we feel like a semester abroad uh, didn't really do the uh, the richness and uh, tradition of the faith justice, right? To expose mm-hmm. students to where saints walked, where the apostles are, um, you know, where where so where the Holy Father lives. Um, we wanted to immerse them, in it. and you know, this is this is a precedence that we've built over the centuries with our priests. We've we've sent our best and brightest to study in Rome for years. Um, to learn the institutional church. So I think you know, students are very excited. Uh, who, who doesn't want to lounge by the lake in Castle Gadolfo? Uh, <laughs> exactly. But, uh, yep. Yeah. <laughs> within walking, I mean, like within walking distance to, say, the Vatican Observatory, all these powerful, I mean, these, these resources that are there, that, that is really cool. Yeah, besides the fact that it is a, a beautiful spot, um, you know, it is right next to the uh, Pontifical Summer Residence. Uh, but we chose this very intentionally. It's, um, it is historically the, the scientific hub of our church because it's where the only uh, fun, uh, scientific funding from the Vatican directly was given. It's to the observatory, which is still in operation, I think it is one of the oldest observatories uh, in continuous operation in the world. Wow. So, so let's talk about this, uh, the, the types of degrees. This is an STEM, you know, based university. So what types of degrees are both going to be offered and what you're hoping for uh, in the future? For example, I understand you guys will be pursuing what uh, the elite titles, such as being an R1 school, which maybe you can explain what that means. But uh, tell us about the curriculums. Yeah, sure, sure. Um, well, I'll start with the R1, right? Uh, from day one, we're, we're, we're a research university. And R1 is um, a category that uh, United States universities receive. Um, and it's, it, it kind of determines, it's, it, it's, a, um, uh, it's a, a prestigious title given to people that uh, do a lot of research, right? So there's a certain amount of money that you allocate to research every year, um, but also how many PhDs you have or you produce, and and then the, the caliber of your faculty. Um, so I want to bring that up first because I'm really excited about our faculty. Um, you know, my wife and I, we started this about three years ago, the idea. Um, and, and soon after we were just like, is this even possible? <laughs> uh, and we yeah. put out a LinkedIn job post. Um, and we, overnight we had, about, we had 600 applicants, uh, from professors from around the world. Um, wow. So, some of them were truly the best, uh, in their field. So we have, um, we, we have professors that have left tenure positions from MIT, uh, Caltech, Harvard, and Stanford. Um, Gosh. and 
I, it's just, we see God working in all in this every day, but um, there's a hunger for this. There, people want this, right? And we see our students, of course, but um, our, our faculty just, uh, they, they fell in love with the idea just as much as we did. Um, so so. <laughs> we're, we're very excited. I mean, if, mm. if, if, to go from just three years ago to opening up, it's, <laughs> this is, it is God moving because I can't fathom something happening like this of this magnitude that quickly. So, so the degrees are, are this is going to be advanced degrees only, or is it, uh, there's undergraduate? Oh yes, and, yeah. Um, uh, so <clears throat> we're starting first, first five degrees are, um, Civil engineering, mechanical engineering, electrical, computer science, uh, biomedical engineering, and biology. Um, you know, we we have a focus on engineering first and foremost um, to be able to get people into industry um, before you can do research. That's you know, these are undergraduate programs, so we want to be able to give students the tools they need to um, to do research, and that's. Um, what we'd like them to do, stick around, uh, you know, and produce things that help the universal church um, and humanity as, as a whole. But um, we want to get them out into the world and uh, and to be able to uh, be, have successful careers very early on. Well, yeah, yes, definitely. So um, the talk about the time frame because you guys and, and how people can find out more. And let me, let me again introduce you to people that are kind of tuning in. We are talking with Bill Hawhey, he's the co-founder of the Catholic Institute of Technology about a, a really exciting news about a, a new elite school uh, for STEM-based school in Italy with joint kind of a joint venture here with some great backing uh, here in the States. So, uh, yeah, so we're talking fall, right? It's right around the corner. Mm. Yeah, it'll, it'll be here before we know it. So uh, in March, we have a visiting weekend. We have a ton of families and students uh, signed up for that. You know, we have... Um, I, most of our applicants are going to be there, but we have a ton of just interested um, parties, donors that will be there. And I, I want you guys all to know, you're invited. All okay? right. Oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> Get out there. We'll, we'll be cover, there. We'll cover it live. Take in the <laughs> site, have a glass of wine. By all right. <laughs> so. I'm there. <laughs> you bet. Well, so I should well, take an opportunity to talk about our campus. Um, you know, if... <laughs> um, when we decided we were going to open this three years ago, um, I was very willing to uh, jump in with both feet uh, after I saw the property. Uh, so it's it's uh, it's a three hundred uh, bedroom college campus. Mm. Um, so we're we're hoping to house about four hundred students there uh, on this. Okay. Um, sorry, that, go ahead, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, oh, okay. we've got about a minute left, Bill. Yeah, we've got about a minute um, left. Go ahead. Yeah, so we have a 400-bedroom campus, five absolutely gorgeous chapels, uh, two Olympic-sized swimming pools. Wow. Um, tennis courts, volleyball courts. Um, it's, it's unbelievable. So it was an old Orsini villa, a ruling family in Italy built in, like, 16th century. 
uh, the North American College. Oh, you know where wow. where our priests live in Rome bought it, expanded uh, on, and then we just purchased it from Opus Dei. It was a retreat center for the last. Oh, six years. wow! I see. Okay. Well, but where can people go to get a lot more information about the opportunities, and also understand there's some real significant discounts for early comers as well. That's pretty exciting too. So where where can they learn more, and especially if they have children, grandchildren that may be candidates for this? Yeah, so please check out our website, um, catholic.tech. Um, and we do have an anonymous donor that's funding 50% off for the first inaugural class. So there please join us. There you go. Wow, 50%. My God. Well, thank you, Bill. God, God bless you on this beautiful opportunity. Thank you. Happy Advent to you. Uh, okay, speaking wow. of wow. education, Dr. Give Jordan, you my dad's going to join us next. Yes, it does. That's exciting. Sign me up. Uh, Jordan Haddad joins us next to talk about the Ukraine. It is 48 past the hour. You are tuning your heart to the truth. Dr. Jordan Haddad joins us. He's a professor of dogmatic theology over at Notre Dame Seminary in New Orleans and the president of the St. Louis IX Arts Society. And today we are continuing our Catholic 101 segment. Today we're talking about the real presence of the Eucharist. Uh, 38% of Catholics believes it's, believe it's only a symbolism or a symbol. Another mm-hmm. 12% don't believe anything at all. So what can we do to enlighten their minds? Well, Dr. Jordan Haddad will answer these questions. Good morning. Thank you for being with us today. Hey, good morning, Gabby. Good to be here. Yes. Well, you know, we're in the midst of a Eucharistic revival in 2024. We'll bring all good things when it comes to the Eucharist. There's a lot of big events planned. So what can we do? How can we answer this question, Jordan? Yeah, so as you mentioned, there, there was a, a 2019 Pew Research Center survey that revealed a few years ago that nearly 7 in 10 American Catholics said they personally believe that during the Mass, the bread and wine used in communion are, are symbols of the body and blood of Christ, and that just one-third of Catholics in America said they believe that during Mass, the bread and wine actually become the body and blood of Jesus. And in addition to asking Catholics what they believe about the Eucharist, the survey also asked or tested what Catholics know about what the Church teaches on the subject. And most Catholics who believe that the bread and wine are symbolic don't know what the Church teaches about transubstantiation, right? Transubstantiation meaning the, the, the doctrine of the transformation of the substance of the bread and wine into the real presence of Christ while remaining with the appearance of, of bread and wine, the accidents, we say. And most people who believe that the bread and wine are actually the body and blood of Christ do know that this is what the Church teaches. And as a side note, there's a very small percentage of Catholics that don't know what the Church teaches but still believe in the real presence of Christ, which I'm sure is a really interesting group of people I would love to get to know. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and the majority of Catholics that attend Mass at least once a week believe in transubstantiation, and among those who don't attend Mass regularly, the large majority think that the, the bread and wine are, are merely symbolic of the body and blood of Christ. Mm, and so according to this 2019 Pew Research survey, most Catholics do not believe in the real presence of Christ. Most who do know what the Church teaches believe it, and most who don't know reject it. And most who attend Mass regularly believe in the real presence, and most who don't do not. Right, do not believe in the thing. So this paints a rather bleak picture mm-hmm. for us, 
because the percentage of non-mass failures and non-believers is so much higher than mass failures and believers, mm-hmm. right? But the picture is actually a little bit more complicated than this 2019 survey reveals. Uh, the problem with the Pew, uh, the Pew uh, Research Center report is that it doesn't actually reveal what it claims to, at least not in a, in a reliable way, um, because the questions that they used to even ask people were a little bit skewed. So just to give you a quick example. So the question they asked was, regardless of the official teaching of the Catholic Church, what do you personally believe about the bread and wine used for communion? And these were the two possible responses given to people. The bread and wine actually become the body and blood of Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. or the bread and wine are symbols of the body and blood of Jesus Christ. Now, these might seem like two perfectly good questions, but there's actually a way to understand both of these questions, such that depending on how you interpret them, you could answer yes or no, and be perfectly orthodox and in accordance with the Church's teachings. Mm-hmm. So, for example... The first possible response, the bread and wine actually become the body and blood of Jesus Christ. It's actually an ambiguous statement because it all depends on what you mean by the word actually, right? Does it mean that the substance of the bread and wine becomes the substance of Christ, in which case all Catholics should give a resounding yes? Or does it mean that the bread and wine become Christ's actual body and blood in a physical sense, Mm -hmm. right, Mm -hmm. as they exist in Christ in heaven right now? Right, such that the Eucharist has Christ's hair and Christ's kidneys and mm-hmm. fingernails and so forth. In which case, we Catholics would say no, mm. because the presence of Christ in the Eucharist is a sacramental presence as opposed to a, a physical presence, right? Which I know is mm. like splitting hairs, but it's actually a really important distinction that's for us. Yeah, yeah it yeah, sounds so like the Pew researchers need to. That's take a interesting. Lesson. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. It will, it will. Thankfully, there was a follow-up survey that was done much more, more recently, just last year, which revealed, which had better questions, and it was more thorough. And what this actually revealed to us is that over 85% of American Catholics said that the Eucharist is at least meaningful for their lives, right? The majority mm-hmm. saying very meaningful, and a minority saying that it's somewhat meaningful for them. Right, and this is huge for us because what it actually yeah. gives us is a great cause of hope as we undertake this Eucharistic revival. You know, even though people might say it's meaningful for them, maybe we need to help them better realize the depth of that meaning. It's a you know to better seek the Lord and things like that. And half of American Catholics correctly understand what the Church believes about the real presence of Christ, and the other half wow. misunderstand what the Church teaches. Uh-huh. And so, in rejecting it. They're not so much actually rejecting church teaching, they're rejecting a misunderstanding of church teaching, right? Right. Mm-hmm. So the picture is, is actually a, a lot more complicated than we were led to believe a few years ago. But with that being said, um, you know, this, this idea of reviving a deeper devotion to the Lord in the Eucharist is still extremely important, and there are some really great ways that we can do that, we, that we can talk about a little bit about tonight, about mm-hmm. this morning. Wow, that's amazing. Well, uh, Dr. Haddad, uh, unfortunately, we're running out of time, but I know that so many parishes are doing, you know, presentations before Mass, adoration before Mass, um, adoration nights, praise and worship, uh, things to really get the parishioners involved during this Eucharistic revival. And of course, as we enter into 2024, there are so many events that will be taking place during the Eucharistic revival as well, so we can continue this discussion. I'd like but that. But I'm curious to yeah. know... 
if there's going to be a survey after the Eucharistic revival ends, asking these questions maybe a little bit more clearer uh, and seeing what the response will be after the revival ends or comes to an end. But uh, thank you so much for being with us today. Again, we could talk on and on about this subject, right. but uh, we hope you and your family have a happy Advent and a blessed Christmas uh, this season. Thank you so much, Dr. Haddad. Thanks, y'all as well. God bless. All right. Mm. My goodness. Yeah, Dr. because Jordan Haddad is a... I, I would like a, to... We'll, 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 yeah, keep that, ahead, keep that topic going. I would like to keep that topic going yeah. with because we were just getting to what could be done to raise the mm-hmm. awareness and the belief, you know, and I'm looking forward to that. I know Most one thing definitely. that Jordan and them are definitely into is uh, how sacred art and architecture and sacred spaces can yes. help, you know, what what is difficult to say in words. Absolutely. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Well, uh, speaking of words, uh, let's go out with our prayer today. This is adapted from the Angelus and ties in with our. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. That's okay, Johnny. You go yeah. ahead. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, from the Angelus and our gospel today, as we, as we pray in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. O Lord, we beseech thee, pour thy grace into our hearts that we to whom the incarnation of Christ thy Son was made known by the message of an angel, may by his passion and cross be brought to the glory of his resurrection. With Mary as our example, may the will of God be done according to the word that he has planted within us. O Holy Mother of God, pray for us that we may be made worthy of the promises of Christ. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Amen. Beautiful. Amen. Yes, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much, Karen Cotton, our video technical director, and Jeff Blackwell, our audio director, for making us look and sound amazing this morning. And thank you to our listeners and donors and viewers for tuning in this morning. We are so grateful for you. And looking forward to tomorrow's show, we have Gary Zimmick, Catholic author and speaker, joining us. David Dawson Jr. will talk about raising a Catholic family in today's world. And Dr. Ben Reinhardt, professor over at Franciscan University of Steubenville, is diving into Tolkien's liturgical imagination. So that'll be interesting and a great conversation. Have a wonderful Wednesday. God bless. Wake up is a production of Catholic Community Media.